0: and welcome to the newest and the next episode in the sage and the skeptic podcast and as always Mana abraham is joining me for us to have our weekly or our regular discussions about digging deeper into conversation understanding the mind in a deeper level so mana how are you today
1: i'm so good andy and uh, i think it's really nice to be back on a podcast again to talk about today's conversation
0: Yes awesome and, and, we, and what, what a conversation we've got for you to today and I hope you're really ready for this because mm-hmm. it's, it's something that's fairly close to my heart because this is called procrastination and why we procrastinate and for those of you who don't know when I was working in Singapore, Australia and I was traveling to you know many different states during the week delivering training on procrastination you know so I was often asked you know Uh, whatever's happening, you know, they need to be more productive. They need to be doing more. You know, they're putting things off. They're not, they're not doing the things that they need to do. So they'd ask me to come in and talk about procrastination and give them tools and techniques to be able to overcome the things that they've been putting off. So I know you have a completely different perspective when it comes to procrastination. So I'm really keen to get an understanding of what you think is happening for procrastination in the mind and how we're sort of having this conflict uh, around procrastination, why we don't do things. So uh, I guess the first thing is, so for you, what is procrastination? What does it mean? What, what's happening? when You know, what, what does it mean when we procrastinate?
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So I think let us start this conversation something different. All right. So let me start with asking you a simple a simple four questions I'll ask you. Very simple, all right? Okay. One plus one equals two plus two. Four. Tick. Three
0: plus three. Six. 256 plus 758. Give up. I haven't got time to write. Down That's right. Before the end of this podcast
1: finishes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the nature of the mind. So the nature of the mind is naturally to work on the things that are simple, and anything even little complex, little complicated, it want to give it away. It does not want to do that. It's that simple. That is procrastination. Okay. But if you are a mathematician, and if I'm asking you now, two times two. Three times. <laughs> three times three. Three times Nine. three. Five times five. Twenty
0: five.
1: Twenty five times
0: twenty five. Give up.
1: There <laughs> I'm you go. i get my calculator now. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. So, what did you just say? You said I give up, and can I get my calculator now? And in my mind, I know twenty five times twenty five is six twenty five. Yeah. So what happened here is exactly the nature of the mind because I already have a tool in my mind to, multiple, to get the result for 25 times 25, 35 times 35, 45 times 45. That is my acquired skill set. So my mind will venture to try 25 times 25, which is 625 because there's a simple formula simple equation that works with it but why what is this demonstrating is that's the nature of the mind and why do we want to push it the nature of the mind is it will naturally do what comes to you naturally and what you don't or what who you are not naturally it will give up You didn't even think of it. And the next one, when I asked you, you said, let me take a calculator. So you naturally went up, went out to say, I can't do it. Let me find a tool that can help me to do it. It's that simple. That is procrastination. However, if you are pursuing to be a mathematician, if you are pursuing to be a statistician, At that point of time, when you realize 25 times 25 is a time-taking task for you, that's when, if, and only if, you allow to pursue that, you take action. And if you are not pursuing to be a mathematician or a statistician, and if that is not your aim or your goal, then you know you already have a tool, which is, a calculator so you're delegating your thinking process to a tool that can do its job
0: first of all i'd like to say you know thank you for showing my inadequacies (laughs) to the whole world but that's okay (laughs) but so i understand what you're saying though so so basically our mind is saying you know it wants to do what we can do and what we can't do it's offloading yeah to either somebody or something else. Yeah. So when it's related to procrastination, what you're saying is like, I, I, I would have dealt with a lot of the symptoms of procrastination, given the tools for procrastination, you know, like the calculator, for example. However, what you're saying is there's something else going on in the mind. So, you know, when we get to that point, you know, what is, why do we then procrastinate? What's happening in our mind when we procrastinate? When we, when we don't want to do something or feel that it's going to be hard, or like you say, want to, want to offload it somehow, you know, and I guess this is different for if it's a, you know, if you're an employee, you're tasked with doing certain things. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you're tasked with doing some things, but potentially, you know, you have to do them anyway. So what's going on in the mind when that's happening?
1: Yeah, so now I'll again continue with the same mathematics that question example. As I'm talking to you and as I'm listening to you, my mind, without my knowledge, is doing this. It's doing 45 times 45, 2025. 55 times 55, 3025. 65 times 65, 4225. 75 times 75, 5625. 5. So, this is what my mind is doing. As you're talking to me, I'm not doing anything and I'm talking to you, and still this is what my mind is doing. So that means I'm naturally inclined to pursue that. Right. But if I'm not naturally inclined to pursue that, but because someone else can do that and I want to pursue that, or because my parents expect me to be a mathematician, and i pursue that aspect but i am not if i am not naturally inclined that's another area where the procrastination kicks in because you you are technically not that person who is having that natural inclination so there are three types of procrastinations that happens in general the three types are number 1 procrastination is where you have all the heart and you—that that is your choice, but you don't know how to tackle it. So you just need a strategy to tackle that. That's where when you go to the coach, they can talk about that because on the assumption that you're procrastinating is on the assumption that you really love to do it and you're trying your best and you still cannot do it and you will identify the reasons why you're delaying it or why it is taking time or why you're pushing aside because you think it is hard work just because you don't know how to handle that. So that's when all the strategies of one bite at a time, one brick at a time and calendars and that sort of structure saying no, those are all the things that will come in play for that level of challenges in procrastination where you have the inclination to do it and you don't know how to approach it that's one level of procrastination the second reason why people procrastinate is because of the external conflicts external conflicts people pleasing wanting to be accepted that validation that they need from someone so they really want to say no but they cannot say no so they accept it they know that they have busy schedules and still they overload themselves with obligations and they'll at that point of time again procrastination kicks in and they keep delaying things so that's truly not the first one and the second one are absolutely two different procrastinations and if you look at The third one, the third procrastination is an internal conflict. That internal conflict is pretty much, I am not that person, I don't want it, but I think I have to do it or I feel obliged to do it, but I don't want to do it, is number three. That's when the procrastination, because those are the people who work really to the last minute unless and otherwise it is absolutely necessary only then they put their effort and intentions to it because they really don't want it so there are three types of procrastinations but so it's so unfair when someone puts everything into one bucket and say procrastination and you need to structure your time or to-do lists or calendars or accountability it does not work like that So we have to understand each procrastination and why that happens and why do they do that.
0: So that's really good. I I, I understand I'd like to take each one of these on as we can in in of itself. So the first one you said is, you know, it's somebody who wants to do it, wants to learn, but doesn't have the tools yet to do that. So would you say that that was more somebody who was an employee who's you know tasked with doing certain things and has expectations put upon them would that be more an employee status it would be like that the one or, or somebody who's learning as in if they if they're going to do a degree in mathematics as you say or, or something would it would it be more in case in line with that that they just need the strategies and structures or you know or would it be something else
1: I think it it can be for anybody because funny enough And uh, when it comes to organizations and teams, when we do team-building exercises and identifying team values versus individual value conflicts, we should understand employees are not doing their jobs because they love it 100%, but it is because they think that is something they can do. may not be they love to do that. So it's not necessarily... Limited to employees, it is is applicable to anybody. Say, I love to have a rose garden in my backyard. I just love it. I love to do it. If someone can teach me how to do that. I love to know how to paint or how to sing. If someone can show me the way to do it and someone can teach me. The strategy to learn it. So I love to. So now if someone comes home and says, Mena, I'll teach you singing. And we can learn together. I'm more than happy to do. Because from my heart, I love singing. So it's not just about an employee or a role. It's about someone who is willing to learn. But they're not able to do it. And then they're delaying it. There it's about. Then the solutions for that are very different. It's not just to do with. Strategies to structure times or to do lists or manage their uh, daily schedules better. It is more about empowering them to take those decisions, empowering them to take action. So, identifying what they love to do and clearing time and space to focus on that what they love to do. So, even in employ, when you as you talked about employees, there are people who love their job absolutely and they want to learn and they want to do that and there are employees pretty much either they're doing it because that's the only thing they think they can do or because they have a qualification and they think they are obliged uh, to take up that job and they work within the team and they want to fit in but there is another fundamental aspect we are forgetting here is the person who decided to act on this subject or who decided to take this specific field three or four years ago at the time of their studies is not the same person today. They changed. So your qualification in itself is a time pass because at that point of time that interested you and by the time you finish that qualification perhaps that's not yours anymore. But... We are conditioned to make use of everything we learn. And we are conditioned that if you are spending time, you better have a return on it, on the time you spend. So it's also that kind of conditioning, that pull that pushes people into doing things that they don't like to do. So be it employees, students, parents, parents with kids, parents without kids, couples without kids, everybody, business owners, Everybody does this mistake. So one is, yes, yeah, so anybody can have this first level of procrastination. They want to do their business better, but also, they don't know how to do, and there are other things at play, and they keep delaying it. Mm.
0: Okay, so it, for somebody who's in that first category, like we say, I, I, I realize there's lots of things going on there. But is that where? tools and strategies are going to work the best out of these three that you talked about rather having the internal and external is is that where you know like you said to-do lists or is if that is that where putting some things in place is going to actually be effective that's right than, than the other two is that's that right
1: that's right so that first level of procrastination what we saw if it is purely that because. Uh, there's so many people in businesses and in their careers they take a decision, they want to run their business, they want to be excelling in their jobs and still they can't because there are various things at play and it is imperative for us to understand what is really stopping you to do it because for some people it's pretty much like I really love to do, I have all the time I'm ready, I don't know how to do it for them, this strategy structure, maybe a skill set issue, maybe it's just about meeting someone who can show you the direction and get putting it on your calendar and saying no. So those are the things that will help. But if the same person who really wants to do, but they're not able to do, not because of lack of strategy, or not because of they don't know how to do, but because of the other two reasons for procrastination the internal conflict and the external conflict because the three can exist at the same time. So if we make sure, if we are very sure that there is no internal conflict, there is no external conflict, then if it is only this thing where they know they want to do it but they're not able to do it, then those tools will help. Structuring the calendars and scheduling their times and Getting things on the to do list and planning, and because planning and organizing, I always thought planning and organizing is something that anybody can do. But then when I realized it's not, it's not everybody's cup of tea because that itself is a different skill set. Planning and organizing is a skill set of uh, efficient mind, and that's a skill set that we have to learn. It's not everybody's cup of tea. So at that point of time, if they are lacking, they're lacking at that level, planning and organizing, then that's something that they're lacking as a skill set. And we had to teach them, like right to the point where I never thought you do your laundry, fold your clothes and organize them in day wear, night wear and gym wear, that kind of, I thought that's very normal thinking. But many people don't think that. They dump things all together. So it's absolutely lack of, Planning and organizing skill set, and that's where they procrastinate. So there, we can teach them. We can show them. So there is no internal external conflict. If it is purely that, then it's a planning and organizing skill.
0: Sure. So, so that's I get that. I understand that. And I guess that's when when I was bringing into these high level executives to to teach them some of these skills. I suppose that they're more driven naturally but there's obviously some things out in there that would that are holding them back in certain areas. So that's a tool right. that we can teach them. But let's move on now to sort of a, a, the external conflicts. And I know you've kind of touched on this already, but I really want to understand what are some of these external conflicts uh, that, that, are, that are keeping people procrastinating and not moving forward?
1: So the external conflicts are as simple as you can think of it like a mother and a teenage child. The mother says, go and clean your room. It's not their priority, but because of the love for the mother or to keep the peace together, the child may say, I'll do it, and they'll never get to do it. Because it's not their priority. Because it's not their priority. They... It's a conflict because, as in a simple example I'm saying, the external conflict is, I want to say no to my mum, that I don't like to do it, I don't want to do it. But because they cannot say no, they take the obligation and they're just saying I'll do it. So it is causing a rupture in the relationship. The same way, the external conflict is, this is something I see mostly now, in the youngsters also when they are then in the young professionals in the 20s to 30s where they have the they're doing what they're doing because of the expectations from the parents like it's almost like an obligation that they spend their time and they spend their lives for us and now it is my time to give them back and to keep them happy so as much as we are living in an individualistic world we are not because that's an external conflict too because I want to satisfy them, but I cannot say no. A classic example, I was talking to another young uh, woman and she wants to be a musician, but she cannot because her parents do not value music. So she's going to pursue something, a serious qualification which her parents like her to pursue. Why? Because. I had to oblige, I had to meet my parents' expectations. So that's an external conflict. The same thing, there's another young professional I was talking to and for him, the external conflict is, I had to fit into this organization and I had to speak this way, but that's not me. But the external conflict is they are, they want to say no, but they're not saying no. Because that is something that they think they have to fit in. They have to get the validation, they have to get acceptance, they have to get approval. That's an external conflict. And also because of various situations, there's another client I was talking to who is so focused and interested on gardening, but he cannot pursue gardening because of the family's expectations here and there's another person who is being mentored and he's at this point of success level where if he spends another three or four years in his career he's going to hit the highest uh, ladder in the organizational hierarchy and his mentor is telling him stay there for three more years but he knows very clearly that that's not him anymore and he lost interest in this but they're saying that you spent all this time and have that patience for three or four more years Yes, definitely. That will yield results, and you can again get carried away by that temporary validation and the riches. But the person's identity has changed already, so that's an external conflict.
0: Mm, Interesting. So, so this is things that we feel that we have to do, or for some reason, you know. So it's an external. Like I said, we have to be a uh we we have to do a task or we have because we want to be validated by it. That was the interesting thing that, that I heard you say that we want to be validated by doing something that we potentially don't want to do. Correct. We ha- we have to feel like we have to say yes, just so we, we're either validated or somebody doesn't we want to feel like somebody likes us or we want to feel like you know that's we've got to tap take that internal feeling from doing something that potentially we don't want to do. That's right. Mm. So interesting. So when it comes to then, you know, the last one, which was internal conflicts. So tell me what's what's an internal conflict, because it sounds like some of them external conflicts, are, you know, from somebody saying to me, have actually the internal conflicts as well, not being validated, you know, that to me is an internal.
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. So if you now look at these three, the things that we love to do, and we delay because of lack of strategy or lack of knowledge. The external conflict is where everything connected to the external world that my inability to say no because validation or want to belong or shiny object syndrome that I may miss out something in the future or I don't know what's going to happen in the future is all the external conflicts and we want to fit in or we want to belong or we want to maintain certain standards that are set or we are conditioned to be like someone or something else. To achieve something else. The internal conflict is the deepest one, the core. So that is the reason why when anyone comes to me with the word procrastination it is important to go right there and check there is no internal conflict. The internal conflict is I changed as a person probably in a week, in a month, in a year and that is normal. We are not the same person, so probably we must have met yesterday and today when we are meeting, I am different, you are different too. That is the nature of life. That's the nature of human mind. That's the nature of evolution. That's the nature of life. However, we are conditioned with longevity and we are conditioned with going far together. We are conditioned. So because we are not equipping ourselves or our children or next generations with the simple fact that it's okay that you will change every day. I am not the person who went to bed last night, this morning, I'm different. So you cannot expect the same thing from me what I'm worse yesterday. Because we are changing. So instead of allowing or being guided to observe others in their growth and work with that parallelly, what we are doing is we are building them frameworks of longevity and putting people into those mouths. But in the process, what is happening is when there is a change in us, we start feeling guilty. When we were liking something and suddenly we lose interest when we dislike something and suddenly we start liking it. So we are afraid to accept that because we may come across as fickle-minded. We may come across as inconsistent. We may come across as people who are not strong enough to stand because in olden days olden times commitment is a big thing like you say a word and you stick to it but the truth that's that's then but now it's about understanding that we as people are changing every day so our identities changes because we are evolving faster we are thinking faster we are much more intelligent than our previous generations in mind so we what takes Ten years for someone to understand few years ago may only take five years now or two years now for someone to understand. So we are forgetting that factor and we are building longevity and commitment as a framework, like a prison. Because of that, the internal conflicts are, I am not that person anymore. I don't want to do that. But... The situation or the commitments that are already around me are guiding me to go there and they don't change because they are built in iron. And I am trying to wiggle my way out because I know I changed but I myself am not able to realize that I changed. And that's the deeper space because two things at play here. One is because of me not connecting to myself and to who I am and not understanding the subtle changes because we are living in a world where change should be really material something that you should see that happening something that should be verbally told and that's when a change is happening that's how we are conditioned to believe a change is happening but the truth is change is always happening subtly but you should be aware of that subtle changes that are happening in you. Because they are not aware of the subtle changes that are happening in them, it's a constant conflict because they themselves don't know, why do I like it then and why don't I like it now? And because of that lack of awareness of the subtle changes that are happening within themselves, which is the change of identity, they start beating themselves up. And that's where, what's the purpose? What's the point? Because that they thought the longevity to that what they believed in, longevity to the qualification that they thought they will pursue few years ago, longevity to a relationship even on a commitment basis. But then we are evolving, we are changing. So as a community, we have to be aware that every individual is evolving. And we don't have to tie ourselves into any of these qualifications, labels, tags, titles. We don't have to commit ourselves. So the internal conflict is happening there that while my identity is changing so constant, because number one, I'm not tuning into myself. I don't know that subtle changes are normal and they're happening. And when it is externally visible that I'm not interested to go to that party or I don't want to take the phone call, then the guilt begins. What is guilt? Guilt is a conflict of whom I'm supposed to be and what am I doing. Hmm. So those internal conflicts, but the only way to resolve them is to understand what is my definition of who I am supposed to be, when did I take the decision, and then re-looking at it, and now now times have changed.
0: Hmm. So what he's saying here is that obviously you might, let's say, let's take an example here. Let's say that you uh, you do a degree in law and that degree it costs a significant amount of money and you start up in law and you've not yet, you know, I guess, earned the money back to, to pay for the money expenditure so you feel guilt that you don't want to do this anymore. So you stay in there because of this guilt, because there has to be, in your opinion, there has to be a... Um, you know, at least the equation where you're making money out of the money that you've spent. There's got to be an outcome for the income of money uh, going in. Or there's a guilt that, for example, uh, you have to stay in a role you don't want to stay in because you're in a family and you, there's a certain amount of level of uh, I don't know the, the way the way that you live. But yet, if you move to do something that's not as lucrative then you might not be able to support the family the same. So there's a guilt there. So that's an internal conflict that goes on because of the commitments that you have. That commitments leave you feeling trapped, you know? So I guess that's when this thought came to me was, is that when suddenly people have like a, what we might call a midlife crisis is where somebody's doing something and then they completely just give that up or do something else. Or, you know, that kind of thing where people just have these, you know, out of left-changes where they just can't handle anything anymore, is that suddenly then them finding themselves? Or is that suddenly a reaction to all these things?
1: Yeah. I think (laughs) uh, this is something. like I, I do not accept the word midlife crisis because that crisis can happen any point of time. But again, see the conditioning that it only happens in midlife. And because of that simple label again of the midlife crisis, we are not able to understand why a youngster wants to commit suicide. Because we are saying, oh, you have have life ahead of you. You don't know anything about life. How can you think of committing suicide or going into depression or anxiety? And we are labeling it. But the truth is we are taking a word and making it, like a marketing, and we are making that word so important that everything else, we are making it feel that it's not normal. But if you look at it, a child who is going, in, going to school from kindergarten to, say, the 10th grade, suddenly realizing, I don't like maths, maybe I want to do painting. Or someone is suddenly realizing that, oh, I, want, I always wanted to do music, but I actually like modeling. It's okay. So that's crisis too. At that point of time, the obligation to please the parents begins as a child. The obligation to please the society begins in your teenage years. The obligation to please your friends. It's starting quite early. So that every time when we are imposing those obligations to be good, to be nice, which is good as a society, there is the, the flip side is not meeting that obligation. So a child who is thinking, I have a friend, and suddenly realizes that that's not me, I got a new friend. The small child can have the the so-called midlife crisis of understanding, I thought that's my friend, but that's not my friend. I like to play with this friend better. Hmm. It's okay. So the crisis, just because a child is saying, I like to play with this friend better, we take it off as a childhood thing, but adults feel the same thing in a different way. You change your friend circle, the people whom you're moving with for 10 or 20 years of your life may not be the ones you want to continue and you leave them behind and you will choose new friends, you will choose new people. So there is no midlife crisis. The point is to understand that we are constantly changing our identities right from a baby. And, this, I can go much more deeper into this and I'll say it's the parents, for many parents, kids are the toys that they're dreaming of. So they impose those obligations and forget that child is a child. They have their identities and they will evolve. So it's not your toy that you can control and feel obliged and bring them up in the way exactly we want. So the crisis begins there organizations are trying to do the same thing. They have a vision and they exactly want to build that and they're attracting people. But in the process we are forgetting, employees have a mind of their own and they will be changing too. So again, (laughs) we talked about performance reviews in the last podcast. Perhaps in this performance reviews every year, it is an opportunity to tell them that are you still the same person? Has your identity changed? Maybe it is an opportunity we have to start talking in general at the dining table. Are you the same person as you were? Can be very casual conversations, but that can lead to beautiful insights and then choosing things as you like. You know, like as a child, when I was was growing, my father, he used to travel to different states in India. He used to travel. So as a child, probably in my fifth or sixth grade, I told him that I like this specific milk sweet from one specific state in India called Calcutta. So I said I like this milk sweet. And from my fifth grade till, my, till the point I left home, my father used to bring that milk sweet wherever he goes. I disliked it way back in my seventh or sixth grade. I didn't like it anymore, but my father continued to bring the milk sweet from my fifth grade, till the point maybe I'm in my 12th or towards my graduation and I never told him because I still understood that he's loving and he's remembering to bring that, I'll enjoy that but I didn't like it and now if you look at me the last 20-30 years I almost I didn't even touch that.
0: The ability to tell him no,
1: you
0: know, I don't like this anymore dad. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. So that was it rather than, you know, you just said there that you still thought it was a nice thing that he's still thinking about you and doing it, but it was actually your inability, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Probably I could have enjoyed a different suite if I just told him I'm changed from there. I need to say, let me try something else. So can you see how an external conflict and the internal conflict are playing at the same time? Where my inability to say no to my father, but my internal conflict is me. My inability to understand my preferences change so quick and it's okay. And had I accepted that, I would have had more courage to say that. But because I'm not accepting it, because I'm trying to fulfill this conditioning of longevity and having, if you like something, you stay with it forever. Because that was the conditioning. I didn't understand that it's okay to change.
0: Just intrigued by that last thing. So I think it it really relates to everything we're talking about. So your inability to say that, but that was that also then you made the excuse that he's, he's doing a nice thing. You 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 made this condition with yourself that I I won't say anything because he's doing something nice. I might hurt him. But actually, it was just simply an inability. So when we take that to a broader scale, whether that's an employee, whether that's a child, whether that's a relationship, are these same things going on? So what we're doing is we've got an inability to express what we really want and how we've really changed. So what we do is we make these excuses in our own mind that we can't do this, you know, I can't say that to them because that's gonna hurt them. We're actually, we're hurting ourselves by not doing it and not honoring ourselves by not doing it.
1: Is that that right. That's right, that's so true. Because my father, when he's taking all the effort to go to this specific sweet shop, and he could have easily ordered instead of X, he could have said Y, and he could have got it. It's that simple. But it's the conditioning that is imposed on this child. So in this instance, I'm just giving this as an example, but it's the conditioning imposed on the child that when someone gifts you something, accept it Mm. and don't complain. So because of that old program, it's a gift someone is giving you. So whether you like it or not, you keep it, but only... And then the funniest thing is, when I grew up and I was um, uh, in another uh, situation with another friend their family's principle is they don't they their uh, definition of love or their definition of mutual acceptance is not based on gifts so there is no gifting principle so if you even if you take something into their family and if they don't like it they say thank you but I don't use this. So you better give it to someone who will use this and enjoy this. It's such an open system. So it's not a dishonor. So I must have gone, I must have taken pains to get and find that specific thing which I thought they will like and their system is There's no point to accept something that you don't because it's a waste of resources. So give it to someone. They accept it. They accept the thought and give it to someone who will enjoy this better. So can you see how the conditionings have changed my internal conflicts? So from then on, that gave me courage. When someone gives me something, I like it. If I see the use, I take it. If not, I say, I'm living a very simple, minimal life. I don't need it. Give it to someone who use it. I love the thought. So there is no disrespect, but as a child at that point of time, that crisis was that identity and inability to, or not inability, lack of understanding that it's okay to change your preferences. And as you change your preferences, you should be communicating and taking opportunities to communicate too. And my father being a busy man, probably he would have asked for one day, I'm going to this state, what do you want me to bring? And I could have said something different so see how everything gets lost in this communication so we take it for granted and we keep doing it
0: hmm intriguing mm. yeah so so bringing that back to then procrastination you know that what i guess what you're saying is that procrastination is conditioning this there's, there's and and the inability to change the inability to
1: accept the change and and your own identity can change. so. But we stick on to, you know how I am like, I don't know. You, by now you should know how I think, I don't know. That phrase is not in my dictionary, I don't know. And even if you ask me, you know me better, I don't know. Because my basic conditioning is, you must have changed in one thought. And that's not who you are. So I don't know. So I'm very happy to say when people, with because of their long-term connection with me or long-term friendships with me, they'll say, you know me better. I so say, I don't know you. I don't know. Mm. And I truly mean it. And I, I I live by it. Even my personal relationships, I only see today, now. I can't say you were good to me yesterday or you were bad to me yesterday. Mm. So the reason is it's, it's it's totally leading into a different space but can you see that understanding if we can give then we can start making that conversations much more prevalent in work at works and even in the families around dining tables who are you have you changed what changed the kind of conversations if we can start making those conversations and the moment we are making them to think then then we are giving them the length and width of the understanding, oh, change is so normal. They always talk about change. And then, because of that understanding, change is okay, that internal conflict disappears. The moment that internal conflict disappears that my identity will change and I'm okay, my preferences will change, I'm okay, I don't have to reap the benefits of the time I invested, it's okay, That's this is what I felt I want to do now, tomorrow I will do something else. So when we work from that mindset, suddenly the scarce mindset or the lack mindset disappears. Once that disappears, then you will eliminate the external conflict too because it's no more about Getting a validation from someone and getting the reputation of longevity and commitment. It's the ability to say, because I accepted change is okay, I can communicate to you too. And when I can do that, I'm much more equipped as you talked about, I'll go and get a calculator. You didn't have a thought in your mind about, I should fit in, or I should belong. Nothing. It's just what, 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 what can I do to get the result? And you're easily able to seek tools. So can you see the procrastination has got these three different layers to it?
0: So, I guess what you're saying there, and actually really resonated with me, is if we resolve any internal conflicts, that in itself resolves external conflicts. Once we resolve, we resolve external conflicts we start seeking to do what we love when we do what we love and we don't have the tools or resources required we're more likely to learn or seek new tools to be able to achieve to continue doing what we love that's right was that a fair summary of what you what you're
1: saying you summed it up brilliantly
0: (laughs) thank you so maybe maybe i can be uh, a strategist not a mathematician after all. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we've, we've sort of come to a point where I think that's a really good point to sort of finish on here is that we have to be aligned to what we do. If we're truly aligned to what we do, then procrastination doesn't occur in the same way. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's right. And then if you're experiencing procrastination in any area of your life, or if you have to-do lists, and if you are delaying things, or even the very simple fact, when uh, as we are closing, even in workplaces, because we are so harsh as in you know, organizations on people who are not doing things, but I think it is imperative that. We should have that skill of understanding if someone is not doing what they're supposed to do instead of beating them up and saying you're promising but not delivering or it's a performance review. I think it's important to take that humane perspective and understand what do they want and why are they procrastinating. If we can create conversations and opportunities for them in that direction we can easily suss it out. Is it Just that they need external support with skill set or strategies or it's much deeper if they're showing symptoms of conflicts then is it about much deeper internal conflicts and then we can make change as a normal language. I think it's very important if we can start talking about it and then please please don't beat yourself up because you're procrastinating because procrastinating is not a sign of inefficiency procrastinating if someone is following up this is one thing I always did if I have to follow up with something for more than once that means it is not their priority and when I say it is not their priority it's because either because of skill set or it is hard to do or it's not something that some, there is something in it for them directly so if we can understand that procrastination is not a sign of laziness or inefficiency or delaying or prioritizing is nothing. It's truly about understanding. I think in organizations, we have to start the culture of understanding why people are procrastinating instead of labeling them as performers or non-performers. In families, it's important to understand if they are not procrastinating, instead of trying to teach them to clean their rooms, give them support and help them to do what they love to do. Instead of labeling, people who are procrastinating as irresponsible, maybe it is not after all. So it is about understanding that and not projecting your definitions of procrastination onto them and labeling. So I think that's the key. And if we can do that, I think we will, we will be much better off in the mental health space.
0: Wonderful. Uh, we've talked about organizations there and what, what organizations could do better to help support the people, we've talked about families and what they could do better, and I guess the result of both of those both is the same. But as an individual, you know what are a couple of things that you could questions that you could ask yourselves, or things that you could do to see if, the, if there's internal external conflicts, and then see what needs to change.
1: So I think it's as simple as. If if you're taking, you know, if you have to do something repetitively or if you have to spend more than what is required time on certain tasks, the key is what help can I get here? Whom can I ask for support, for skill set or strategy? Simple thing. That's the first question you will ask. And if your response is, I can do it or they may think I don't know or... Or what will, what will happen if they think I am not efficient? If those are the thoughts that are coming up, instead of saying, all right, I'll go and get some help, instead of thinking like that, if you are thinking, yeah, I can do it on my own, it may take time, but I'll still do it. If those are the thoughts that are in your mind, that means you definitely have an internal conflict. And there's an issue that you have to work on and resolve it because too much dependence and too much independence is a challenge. Is a thing that you have to work on. So, the second, so the first question what help can I get here if it is taking longer than normal or if you are not able to stick to that deadline that you thought you can finish things by? Second, if there is any kind of I'll do it later or I can do it on my own, I don't need someone to help me, I want to whatever you know your mind. So, if that is what it is, reach out to someone who can with whom you can talk about your internal conflicts. And the moment you resolve it, so there's simply simply two. Ask for help. If you cannot ask for help, there is a challenge with your mindset. Go and seek out help for that, resolving that mindset. And the third one I would say, if you're getting stuck in guilt, if you're getting stuck in the definitions of efficiency, I am lazy, if you're getting stuck with those, or if you're getting stuck with, I don't love to do this anymore, I don't know why I'm delaying, if those are the responses you're getting, the quickest thing you can do is, what am I trying to prove here? If you can ask the simple question, what am I trying to prove here? And if there's anything that comes to your mind, I'm trying to prove to be so-and-so, to be efficient, to be a good parent, or to be a good employee, or to be a good mother, good father, then reach out to someone and seek help because there is nothing called Good.
0: So in closing, ask for help or seek help.
1: That's right. Ask for help or seek help. Mana,
0: fantastic. Thank you so much again for spending this time chatting with me. I've certainly been illuminated on uh, a number of things there, but I, my my kids certainly have no problem in asking me or telling me no for cleaning the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try a different, a different tact on there. So, thank you so much for your time. It's always an absolute pleasure speaking to you. We'll see you next time.